Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we uh, continue on in a study we're doing through the New Testament. We're actually in the book of Romans now. Um, fascinating book. We're in the third chapter of Romans. These first three chapters of Romans are pretty intense and in that uh, Paul is really making a case for the fact that we are all sinners. And so he's been pretty graphic in his discussion and the reason behind it is, it's not like he wants, he's not purposely out trying to make everybody feel bad. What he's trying to do is make sure everybody knows and realizes their need for a savior. And that's the whole point of even bringing it up. And uh, he's talking to uh, Jews and Gentiles in, in the mix uh, as he presents these things. And he's been uh, saying to um, the, both of the groups that, um, that they have ignored um, the, uh, the morals that they, even, that they know to be true, and so all of them are guilty. Even if they didn't have the law like the Gentiles did, they've, also, they've already broke their own standards, and God judges them by that. The, to the Jews, he said that um, they're taking place in their externals, and that's an issue. They take pride in the law, but they dishonor God by breaking the law, Paul says. And they also, the Judaism takes pride in a physical circumcision, but ignore the inner circumcision of the heart that only, can only be accomplished by God's spirit. Um, and so Paul's also been talking and making the point, as I said, that, that all humanity then is spiritually dead and, and uh, subject to God's judgment because of that. That they've all chosen wicked acts, both Jew and Gentile alike. And, and um, that's the process that we have. And again, to make sure you hear why that's important. If you don't think you're a sinner, you don't have any need for a savior. And so, you know, Paul has listed all sorts of sins, big ones, little ones, you name it. And, and all of us are on the list somewhere. Everybody's on the list somewhere of having sinned at some point. There's nobody that hasn't. And that's really the point that Paul's been making up to and into Romans 3, although towards the end, there's finally, uh, he really introduces good news, and we'll be talking about that as well. So Paul's been saying all those things, and then you'll, you'll see in Romans 3, uh, another thing that happens is that um, he validates his claims um, with, a, with a bunch of Old Testament scripture, and when you actually read, when we read Romans 3, 10 through 18, I want you to be aware of the fact that he's quoting from Psalm 14, Psalm 53, Ecclesiastes 7, Psalm 5, Psalm 140, Psalm 10, Isaiah 59, and Psalm 36. There'll be a test on that at the end. And uh, <laughs> you all got that, right? Just so you know that he's, he's laying out this case that says from the scripture that all of us have missed it. We're all guilty along the way. Humanity is lost. We're, we're spiritually dead. And he's made the point, too, that the very law that the Jews look to um, with hope is actually an instrument of condemnation. Um, it's by the law that they actually know that they can't live up to it. It's, it's by the law that they should realize their need for a savior. That's why the law was put in, in place. It's a placeholder until Jesus came. The, the law is, is a, it's an ideal of what people in community will live like apart from sin, but we can't live up to it. That's the, that's the issue, nobody can. By the, by the time the New Testament rolled around, by the time Jesus arrived on the scene, I've told you this, that the, uh, the, the religious system of the day, the Jewish, the Jewish people had instituted 600 and some laws to go along with the 10, to try and enforce the 10, which they couldn't live up to, and the 600 didn't make it any better. 
Uh, now they were just violating 600 plus the 10. <laughs> so um, you can't, the whole point in all of it was no matter how hard you try in your own strength, you can't live up to it because you're, you sin. And all of us have sinned. That's the point. We, we, we even sat down and even uh, last week we kind of talked about the Ten Commandments. I said, you know, can we try and remember the Ten Commandments? Because we, we should sort of have an idea of what the Ten Commandments are, even though we can't live up to them. Just because we can't do it doesn't mean we shouldn't know. And so we, we talked about the Ten um, last week. And, you know, this, again, because most of us don't even think about what they are. You should have no other gods before me. You, no graven images. Don't make any idols for yourself. That's number two. Don't take the, Lord, uh, the Lord's name in vain. That's number three. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Number four. Um, number five, honor your father and mother. Um, that's, that's a commandment that, that actually made the list. Uh, number six, don't murder. Number seven is uh, don't commit adultery. Number eight is don't steal. Number nine is don't lie. And number 10 is don't covet. That's the short version of those, but that's the, that's the gist. And all of us have missed it. And then Jesus comes along, is that, that 10 wasn't bad enough, nor the 600, and he says, oh, well, you know, even if you think about doing those things, you violated the law, so guilty. So if you think there's any wiggle room, because, well, no, I've done the 10. No, you haven't. And, and even if you've thought about, you know, he, he said, it's don't murder. He said, well, you, you think bad things about someone that's like that, so you've blown it. If you look at somebody in the wrong way, you've blown it. So the, the deal and the ideal is not to make us feel bad, but to make us realize our need for a savior. See, that's the difference. It's not to make, oh, we're all terrible people. We're sinners, but God's made a way. And that's the whole point that he's building up to in these chapters. And, uh, and he's gonna talk about the good news. I want you to see it. Um, and that, that God is gonna provide us with a, re, a righteousness from God apart from the law. And Paul will go on and say, even introduce in this chapter, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For there's no difference between Gentile and Jew since all have sinned. And the basis on which this offer is made to us is the blood of Christ, which has been poured out as a sacrifice of atonement. Um, our salvation rests entirely on the work of God in Christ. There is no human contribution on our end. God's grace and his free choice to give what we do not have and cannot earn is at the root of salvation. All God asks from us is faith. That's our part. That's the whole deal. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit today as we get closer to the end. And then see as we read this too, what, what Paul is doing here is that the gospel, what the gospel, what the good news does is it puts the law in perspective. Um, and, and it should establish for everyone the role that the God has given the law, not the role that people had mistakenly assigned to it. The law's place, the whole idea behind the law, was to reveal to us our lostness. Um, uh, it's, it's compelling us. What the law does, and why it, it, it's to be known, is that it, it compels us to look at Christ for righteousness that only comes as God's gift and only through faith. The law should be a constant reminder to us that we can't do it in our own strength. That's why the law has the spot that it has. And so that's why it's important to, to remember those 10 and to think about them from time to time. And even the summary, you know, the love, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's a, that kind of summarizes the 10 in some level, but we can't even do that very well. So you get the need for a saint. Okay. So let's look at Romans 3, 31 verses. I'll read them to you, then we'll just talk about them briefly at the end 
What advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, they've been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some did not have faith? Will their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every man a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I'm using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory... <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just funny when you think about it. Some might argue that, you know, that all this bad stuff is really is, brings glory to God. I, just kinda, I can see some people trying to argue that. Why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as we are being slanderously reported as saying, and as some claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is deserved. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous. This is beginning in that whole list of Psalms that I gave you, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does, does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. It's like I said, in those eight verses, we just quoted a lot of Old Testament scripture. Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now our righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 is one of those verses everybody should know. It's just one of those power verses. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so let's explain it a little, although I know most of you got all that because it was, that's easy stuff. The first four verses of Romans 3. Paul starts by talking about the great benefits that the Jewish nation has had. They were entrusted with the very words of God in the Old Testament, including the law. They were the chosen race through whom Messiah came to earth. They were the beneficiaries of the covenants that God made with them. 
But all of these benefits did not make them better than anyone else. In fact, it actually made them more accountable to live up to the standards of God. Because they'd been given all this, they should have, they were held to a higher accountability, which they couldn't hold up to either. You know, because they knew all these things, they should have been able to get who it was, and yet, like the rest of us, they sinned. So Paul starts with that. Then in, in the next three verses, in verses five through eight, um, and I, I touched this on the introduction. Sometimes people think that sin is not a big deal. Um, because God is forgiving and loving, he won't judge. But you need to know that God cannot just overlook sin. All sinners have to answer to God for their sin. Everybody, and that's all of us, we're all sinners. They're, they're, we're, we're accountable for sin. Fortunately, good news is coming up. There's a, he's, he's provided a way, but it's not just by, well, it's really no big deal. And you will encounter people who would tell you um, they have several thoughts in this. And that's one of them. One of their thoughts is um, that they're good enough and that somehow that's all God is looking for is good enough. And good enough doesn't cut it. We'll talk about that more in a moment. And the other thought is, well, he's a loving God and he knows that we're weak and so he just makes allowances for that. Not just off-the-cuff allowances. He made a way in Christ, a specific way, but not just, oh, he's good and he's loving and he'll just turn his head on all the stuff that we've done. He doesn't. It's, it's all dealt with at a great price, and we have to be aware of that. So to um, validate that, and like I said, in verses 10 through 18, and again, Paul quotes Psalm 14, Psalm 53, Ecclesiastes 7, Psalm 5, Psalm 140, Psalm 10, Isaiah 59, and Psalm 36. And he uses each one of those references to make his point that humanity in its sinful condition is unacceptable by God. God is perfect, and we are not. And that's the issue. That's the, the bottom line issue. He's already made the case that we've all sinned. And hopefully we're, we're, we've all got that. We've all sinned. That I shouldn't have to take you far to make us realize. And, and when I say that, it doesn't mean that I don't think that we're all pretty good people. Because I think that you are pretty good people. I, you know, I, I would say that yeah, you're a pretty good group of people. But that it's not enough. See, again, we have this God who's perfect. And pretty good and perfect are two different things by a long shot. And so pretty good's not enough. Nor is it okay that, well, I've done more good than bad. That's not the standard either. Here we got that standard of perfect. We already know we've all sinned. And sin, once you sin once, you're no longer perfect. All right? And so the way we understand sin nature is that happened when you were really young. <laughs> Just go watch the babies for a little while. And you'll see them sin almost immediately. As, as soon as they can start to move, they start to sin. I like the young parents who are going, yeah, my kids won. <laughs> uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll whap another kid when no one's looking to get the toy away from them, or they don't even care if somebody is looking. They don't care. <laughs> Boom, my toy. Um, <laughs> and this just carries on through life. We, we all choose to sin. We've all sinned, and so we're not perfect, and so that's the issue. And it's getting to that. It's, it's not making excuses for it. It's just owning the fact that we're all sinners that will hopefully lead us to the realization that we need a savior, and that's Jesus. That's why it's so important that we, we understand it and that salvation has come through Christ, that God made a way through the cross for us to be reconciled to God, to have life with him. And um, that's what happens then, and he begins to talk about that in the last chunk of scripture there in verses 19 
through 31. Um, after two and a half chapters about our sinfulness, Paul then really begins to talk about the good news, a way to be declared not guilty by trusting Jesus Christ to take away our sins. See, that's cool. We're all guilty. We're all guilty, but we can be declared not guilty in Christ. And I want to give you some words that are not normal, everyday words, but they are um, sort of Bible words that are words for certain elements of, of this whole process that comes up in Roman. So just so you've heard them, you don't have to remember them, but, but just, maybe you've heard them before, but I'd like to bring them up. Okay, one of the words that is part of this process is justification. Justification. And justification is God's act of declaring us not guilty for our sins and making us right with him because of what Jesus did. That's what it means to be justified in him. God declares us not guilty in his sight, which is a pretty big deal um, when you think about it. That's how, because of Jesus now, you know, I told you we, we talk all the time about being access into the most holy place, even though we know we're not, but it's because God always sees us now in Christ. We've been justified in faith in Christ. So he doesn't see the sin in our lives, which is really cool. That doesn't mean we can get away with stuff. It just means that's the relationship and, and in our response. Now we're trying to do the next right thing. We've talked about that. Another one of those big words is propitiation. It's not really that big a word. It's just not, you don't use these words in conversation very often, right? You don't, well, apparently Barry and Mike do. But, uh, yeah, Bible studies use it a lot. But, you know, we don't walk around saying, you know, hey, let me tell you about the propitiation. Uh, <laughs> it just doesn't happen, right? I mean, you just look at, like, the what? Um, propitiation is the removal of God's punishment for sin through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. See, that's what, the punishment for sin, which was death, was removed because Jesus died for us. That's the basic, he was the substitute. He, he, he stepped in there in our place. And so, so the punishment that we deserved from sin is, Jesus is our propitiation for that. He takes the punishment that we deserved on the cross. That's, again, really fascinating concept when you think about it, that Jesus did that for you because he loves you. The, the only one who didn't deserve it took it, right? Jesus never sinned. He, didn't, he, he took punishment that he didn't deserve so that the punishment that we deserve, we don't get. That's a huge deal. That's Jesus, fully God, fully man, coming for you. That's, that's the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of love that you need to be aware of that comes from God for you. Nothing like it. No, no other, nothing like it. There's just nothing like it. Redemption is another word. Um, that maybe you hear more than some of the other words. Jesus paid the price so that we can go free. The price of sin is death. Jesus paid the price. This word ties in with the other word um, that we just looked at, propitiation. He, he, the redemption. He paid the price so we can go free. We don't have to. Sanctification um, is, is becoming more and more like Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. We never become, you know, another Messiah. That's not what it's about, but more and more like him. His character, we use him as our model for life and ministry. The work of the Holy Spirit is helping us to become more and more like him. And the last one of these, you know, $2 words uh, for today is glorification. Glorification. And that's the ultimate state of the believer after death when they become like Christ, more like Christ, in the glorified state, our glorified bodies. Glorification. New bodies, new everything, pretty cool stuff. And uh, all made possible because of Jesus. Jesus has made a way. 
most, all other world religions have a series of things they believe that you have to do in order to try being acceptable to whatever it is God that they serve. In Christianity, the big difference is that it's not about what we do, it's about what's been done. Everything else is a series of rules and regulations you've got to try and live up to. In Christianity, it's been done. Jesus did it. He did it. That's the, so, uh, you, you know, to simplify, all other religions are about do, and in Christianity, it's about what's been done for us. That's what makes it different. God came to us. That's, that's the huge difference um, in, in all of them. In everything else, it's man's effort trying to figure out how to get to God. But God came to us in Christ, fully God, fully man, and he did it. He took care of it at the cross. All we have to do uh, is accept it by faith. That's it. It's got nothing to do. We don't earn it. There's absolutely nothing we can do in our own strength and abilities that will make us right with God. It's only by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's by grace through faith we're saved. Why is it that way? Well, there's some reasons that Paul talks about there at the end. Um, It eliminates the potential for us to get proud because faith is not a deed that we do. The, the law causes people to get puffed up because they think if they're doing it, they're earning their whole deal and they can get very prideful in that. There was a state of the Pharisees. But faith, you know, we realize that it's, it's, there's nothing that we can get proud over. We didn't, he did it all. Um, it, it exalts, what faith does is exalt what God has done for us. Um, it's a reminder that uh, he's done it for us. It lets us see that we cannot keep his law or measure up to his standards in our own strength. That's another thing that faith does for us. And it's based on our relationship with God, not on our performance for him. And again, that's, that's life-changing stuff. Because that's where most of us end up getting stuck again, is we, we keep thinking we've got to perform well. And that, that has something to do with... And, and listen, it's, it's about faith... We don't, we don't, the reason that we try and live rightly, like we talk about here doing the next right thing, is not that we're trying to earn anything because what's needed has already been given to us. It's in response to that. So, so there's a huge difference. We're not doing, um, we're not loving God, loving others, doing the next right thing, reaching out to people. We're not doing any of those things to earn anything. We've already been given it. We do it in response to what's been freely given because we start to get at the fact that he loves us, that, that our hearts then in response want to start living for him. Um, it's a heart response. It's not a, it's not a works response. It comes out of relationship. And, and that's the, another huge difference. You know, it's, it comes out of the, the right motivations. That's why when we're doing things, you know, we, we never want to be guilted into doing something. That's not the right motivation. You don't need to earn anything. It's because you want to do it that you, you, you get to do it. You know what I mean? It's, there's a difference in, in what happens because everything that was needed was done at the cross. We just have to choose to believe. We have to understand our need for a Savior and then we have to trust in Jesus by faith for who he is and that he makes all those things happen, that he's the propitiation for our sins and, uh, and he redeems us and he justifies us and sanctifies us by the Holy Spirit so that at the point in time when it's all done for us, we are glorified and uh, 
get to be with him forever. That's pretty good news, right? It's real good news. All right, that's enough for tonight. We'll, uh, we'll stop there. If you're watching on television or on video, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We know how valuable your time is. We appreciate you doing that. If you need anything, go to our website, keysvineyard.com. Shoot us an email. We'll pray for you. But we'll, uh, we're going to end up here with prayer tonight. So thank you for being a part.